who's your trusted source when it comes to your facility questions, concerns, and needs? Ours is Hard True, the world's largest manufacturer of tennis court surfaces, equipment, and accessories for over 90 years. Partner with their trusted team of experts, along with collegiate greats Jamie Loeb, Alex Rybakov, and Dustin Taylor to bring the service provider of over 30 professional events annually to your facility. Whether it's the red clay of the Houston ATP, the green clay courts of the Charleston WTA, or the official hard court of World Team Tennis, Hard True has you covered. If you're looking to build a court, convert a hard court to clay, or simply resurface your hard court, work together with Hard True in their mission to lead the tennis industry by creating better places to play. To learn more about their state-of-the-art surfaces, along with their catalog customizable on-court accessories, check out hardtrue.com or call 877-442-7878 today. That's hardtrue.com or 877-442-7878 today. Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Tuesday, June 15th. The rumors you heard about last week, they're true, folks. There was, shockingly, some non-Paris tennis that happened last week on both the ATP and WTA tours. On the ATP side, we had our first grass court event in Stuttgart. On the WTA side, we had our first grass court event in Nottingham, as well as an additional clay court event over in Bull Croatia. Of course, this week, the grass court action really heats up. You've got two 500-level events on the men's side in Halle and London, two fantastic grass court women's events in both Berlin and Birmingham. What I want to do on today's podcast, talk about all of that action, what unfolded last week away from Paris, the sort of action as well that we fans can come to expect over the course of the next week. And look, there has been so much action that's occurred on the ATP and WTA tours in the past month that I feel like we've missed out on a bit here at Crack Rackets. Of course, those first two weeks of May, we were locked into all the college tennis action happening in Orlando. These past two weeks, like all of us tennis fans, we've been locked in on the year's second Grand Slam, the pageantry, the golf. That is the 2021 French Open. But of course, rest assured, we know here at Crack Rackets, it's our job to ensure you guys are the most well-informed, best entertained tennis fans in the business. So what we're going to do to make up for everything, catch all of you listeners up, catch myself up as well so we all feel, feel prepared heading into this grass court season couple of podcasts in the queue that I want to make all of you listeners aware of. Just so you know, if you have missed out on any of the ATP Challenger action over the month of May, our friends Damian Kust, Jakob Bobro, recap each week's play week in, week out on Monday's Great Shot podcast episode. If you've missed any of those, you can go find them now on your GSP feed, a podcast we're going to get back into this week that we've taken a few weeks off from. David Gertler and I are going to offer an update on the more broader picture of what has happened more broad picture, I suppose, of what is happening at the ATP Challenger Tour level of late. We'll talk about the swing of American challengers. We had action in Little Rock, action in Orlando. Of course, there are clay court, grass court challengers seemingly happening every week, week in, week out on tour. So, of course, 
to help condense things, make it a little easier, we'll talk about David's latest article, his May ATP Challenger All-Stars, which all of you can go read right now on our website, crackrackets.com. That's a GSP that's going to come out on Wednesday for all of you listeners on either Wednesday night or Thursday morning, perhaps even Thursday night. We haven't quite worked out the schedule yet. We're going to get back on the college tennis grind. Matt Stokowiak, Chris Halior is going to be joining me to discuss the ITA kickoff draft. It's already that time, folks. Eyes turned to the 2022 National Indoor Event, of course, the kickoff draft, one of the most fun weekends, most fun weeks, I suppose, most fun events, we can just say, on the college tennis calendar. So, of course, Matt, Chris, and I are going to reconvene the Crack Rackets College Tennis Holy Trinity to discuss that. So, perhaps some of you listeners were worried we were going to let that slip by. Rest assured, of course, we are not. And then, you know, of course, some broader podcasts as well. Put a final bow on the 2021 clay court season. Preview the things you should all be watching for in this 2021 grass court season. Of course, some projects. We've kicked down the queue here. Our process of what recruiting is like at the collegiate level, what the transfer process actually looks like. That's a project we'll get going this summer. We also, of course, from the presser segment, certainly on the WTA side, hopefully on the ATP side as well, we'll be able to hook all of you listeners up on our Cracked Interviews podcast and, of course, interview those NCAA champions, which are all coming down the queue as well. So a lot of fun things happening this week here at Crack Rackets. We sort of attempt to stabilize things, return our content schedule back to normal again. It's been a busy month for all of us tennis fans. Start of May is the college tennis season finale, and of course, end of May, we had the French Open this year. So, of course, if our podcast schedule has been a bit erratic, rest assured, we're planning to stable things out over the course of June as we cruise into the American summer hardcourt season. But of course, again, today's podcast, recapping all of the action you may have missed last week outside of Paris at the ATP and WTA level. That means Stuttgart, Nottingham, and Bull Croatia conversations, of course, I I also want to quickly preview the grass court action we have this week in Halle in London on the men's side, Berlin and Birmingham on the women's side. Of course, the reason I'm able to do that day in, day out here on the Mini Break Podcast is because of the support we get from all of you fantastic Crack Rackets listeners, from our incredible Crack Rackets Patreon family. And I will say I am currently recording this podcast at the home of one of our patron members. Now I'm cheating because those patrons, I should say two of our patron members, because those two patrons happen to be my parents. And he always yells at me, why don't you ever give me a shout out? You always give your mom a shout out. You never talk about me. What am I not influential in your life? Shout out to my father. The reason I am home this week, uh, obviously many of you would be will be aware of Father's Day is this Sunday, which you don't know, it's double duty in the Gruskin household as my father's 59th birthday happens to be this Saturday. Uh, Father's Day happens to be Sunday. That Sunday also happens to be my Uncle Mike's birthday, who happens to live five to ten minutes away from my parents' house. So it's, again, a family week for me. It feels like a perfect week to get back on schedule to, again, return things back to normal here at Cracked Rackets. Anyways, if I can somehow cajole my parents who see me every day, who are stuck with me no matter what in into, uh, into becoming Patreon exclusive members. Perhaps there might be some Patreon content on there that's worthwhile for you listeners as well. I swear to God, our Patreon podcasts are the only time my mom gets updates on my dating life. Perhaps you want updates on my dating life. Perhaps you just want to hear some of the bonus content we offer or support the work we are doing here at Crack Rackets. You can do that. 
by joining our Patreon family. And of course, the other reason day in, day out, we're able to do this podcast here on the mini break is because of the support we get from our friends at Tennis Point. Remember, tennis-point.com. That's the symbol, not the spelling. Tennis-point.com for all the best equipment at all of the best prices. You use our promo code CR15. You'll get 15% off your order free. Two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. MidwestSports.com. The promo code is CR15. CR15. I'm not happy, by the way, with the impression I just did of my dad there. He does have these deep, dulcet tones. You're listening to News Radio 950, WWJ Newstime. Michael Gruskin here. Weather t- uh, together, weather and traffic on the 8s here at the Call Sam studio now. That's where I get the radio from just growing up. For those of you who are curious, I would sit in the back seat, and I think he thought I was asleep when he was driving home from the airport, or maybe he knew I wasn't asleep, but he just knew he had a captive audience, and he would be you know, driving home, and he'd go, traffic and weather together on the 8s. We go to Michael Gruskin in the Call Sam studio. Michael, How's it looking out there? And you go, oh, you know, some brisk traffic on 275 heading northbound. We've actually got an accident here at exit 46 rollover. Now they've managed to clear the traffic highway. All the lanes have opened back up. Anyways, that would be the impression he'd be doing in the front of the car. And I was like, oh, he thinks that's cool. That's entertaining. Maybe if I become a podcast host, he'll love me even more. So for those of you who wonder why I'm into what I'm doing now, it all starts from those car rides. Anyways, happy Father's Day sets the tone for this podcast with all of that in mind. Let's get into today's show, and it's going to be a show on the shorter side. I feel like we've been, you know, again, there's been a lot of tennis for all of us to consume over the past two weeks. Just don't don't want to overwhelm all of you listeners as we ease our way back into following three, four, five events at once, but let's start with the ATP event we had happening last week in Stuttgart because... Look, there's no denying now. I, and you know, I've played defense for him for as long as I can. But Felix Ogier Aliassim, not even 21 years old yet, can't legally have a drink in the United States until the start of the 2021 Western and Southern Open. He did fall to 0 and 8, though, unfortunately, in his career in ATP Finals. Now, again glass half full, not even 21 years old. He's already made ATP finals, but he falls to 0-8 in Stuttgart this past week as he drops a 7-6-6-3 decision in the final to Marin Cilic. And just quickly on Cilic, 22-18 over his last 52, currently ranked number 37, but, and this is a, dare I say, Francis Tiafo-sized but here, he's number two in Tennis Abstract's grass court ELO ratings. It goes Novak Djokovic 1 comfortable drop, Marin Cilic 2, comfortable drop, then Query 3, Feliciano Lopez 4, Felix Ogier Aliassime at number 5. Now, there is no denying these grass court rankings are a little bit screwed up by the lack of grass court sample size. You know, there were no grass court matches in 2020. There are also such limited grass court sample size of matches year in, year out. I think, you know, normally there's only four weeks of grass court, or six weeks of grass court season this week, or this year there's only four weeks of it. And you look overall, I asked Jeff Sackman at Tennis Abstract if he could help me out and tell me after Francis Tiafa won a challenger title on grass. And again, I'm going to be covering all that challenger action with David Gertler on a GSP you'll be able to listen to Wednesday morning. But you know, there are only 32 players in the men's game, including challengers that have won uh, titles on grass, hard courts, and clay. Only 16 men, if you go at the ATP level, who have won uh, ATP level titles on grass, hard court, and clay. 
So it really is a limited sample size of players who are the elite of the elite and who is comfortable on these grass courts. Now, it's undeniable Marin Cilic is one of the players who falls into that category. You look for him in his career, 64% win percentage across ATP level matches, 531 and 293. By the way, Marin Cilic's case for the Hall of Fame someday is going to be a fascinating one. That's a conversation for another time, though. You look for him in his career, 65% win percentage on hard courts. That checks out. 61% win percentage on clay courts. That checks out. 72% win percentage on grass courts. And again, this is where the limited sample size comes into play. But in 103 grass court matches, Marin Cilic is 74-29 and 29 overall. Again, that's 8% higher than his career win percentage overall across surfaces. Now, He does make about 4% more of his first serves on grass compared to other surfaces, and I think that's a tactic. That's a note that first serve, playing first strike tennis, being on your front foot, he understands that how important that is to do on the grass courts. But you look across the board, his first serve percentage up by about 4%. His second serve win percentage up by about 1%. His hold percentage in general up by about 5%. Serve points one up by about 3%. Even his break percentage holds pretty steady, you know, uh, excuse me, 21.7 overall in his career. He's 19.1 on the grass courts and again wins about 51.8% of his total points across surfaces, 52.3 on grass courts. You look at the wins he was able to get this week, you know, beating guys like, uh, uh, you should say, uh, Rudolf Molliker, the wild card in the round of 32, but then he beats Baslashvili, the five seed straight sets. He beats Shapovalov, the one seed, five and six. And yes, that was Shapovalov's second match technically of the day as he had to continue his match from the prior day uh, to start the morning. But, I mean, Chilich didn't get broken in that match, or excuse me, in that match against Shapovalov, got broken once in the match. And you look for him overall on the week uh, in terms of the matches he played. Faced, uh, saved 10 of the 12 break points he faced in the tournament. Wasn't broken, uh, I believe, in, you look here, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. In his five matches, he was broken in only two of them. I mean, against Felix, he got broken no uh, one time in the match, saved four of the five break points he faced. Against Shapovalov, he got broken one time in the match. That was it. And if Marin Cilic is going, I mean, there's no denying physically, three out of five sets, that's a little tougher battle for him. But his first serve, his ability to play plus one tennis, I mean, he took it to Roger on the clay courts. Imagine that sort of aggression, that first strike power translating on the grass. Yes, his movement has diminished, but he's still got the plus one goods, and I think he is a dangerous sleeper, and it's funny to call a former Wimbledon finalist a sleeper, but let's be honest, at age 30, uh, what is he, 32 turns 33 this year, that's what Shilich is at this point in the draw, ranked number 37 overall. If he is the unseeded player you are playing first round as a top 32 seed, you're scared. There's no denying that. And again, with this title, the opportunity to play another event in London this week, there's a chance he ends up hovering around that top 32 range. But if he is unseated, I want no part of him in any form of these grass court tournaments. Now, again, that's the Chilich part of the equation. Let's get back to Felix Ogier Aliasim. 28-22 in his last 52 weeks. We can be honest. That's not great. You want to break it down by season, that's fine. But you date back to really that breakthrough year for him, which was 2019, where he goes 38-25, and 25, breaks the top 20 for the first time, reaches a career high of number 17 in the ATP ranking. Since that moment, 2020, he goes 23-19 and 19 overall. In, here in 2021, he's 18-12. and 12. It's the stagnation we've seen across the board. His first serve percentage? 
it's held steady at 64%. His ace percentage, it's held steady at about 11%. Those are both good numbers. You know, a 74% where he's currently 753 for the season, which is an improvement by about a percentage point since 2019 in terms of first serve win percentage. That's better. He's gotten about a percentage point better at the second serve as well. His hold percentage has gotten about 3% better. Break percentage, about 4% better. Like, he has gotten better on the margins statistically, but it's just... It's still a little bit one-dimensional for Felix. Again, the skill set he was already good at when he made his breakthrough in 2019, the big serve, the big forehand, the decisiveness, the ability to move forward, the ability to hit such a heavy first ball that you just feel overwhelmed as his opponent, that's still the basis of his skill set. It's just the lack of, uh, of dynamicism in his game, the lack of plan B, plan C, when things go awry, what does he do to adjust? I think that's manifested itself in particular in these finals matches. You look for him, I mentioned... That 64% uh, serve percentage he has for his career first uh, first serve in percentage. Uh, He's at 62 in the finals he's played. I mentioned the fact he's won about 75% of his first serve points over the past three years. He's at uh, 65% of his first serve points in these finals. I mentioned the fact he's at about 51% of his second serve points won over the past three years. He's at 44.4% in his second serve uh, win percentage in these finals. Hold percentage drops about 20% from 81.7 to 62.8. Service points one drop by 8%. His break percentage one drops by half. I mean, there's no denying his level has dropped in these ATP finals and he gets a little bit nervous and you know once the serve first serve starts to go awry or you know the first forehand starts missing a little bit, he, he feels that pressure. You could tell when he was serving, you know, I believe he was serving five uh, five all in that first set against Chilich. Gets broken for five six. Makes a couple of sloppy forehand errors. Now there's no doubt Chilich got good depth on his returns, but that sort of sloppiness in the biggest moments of these finals is a persistent trait for Felix. And I, again. I'm as big of a Felix defender as you're going to find. If you're selling the stock in FA, give it to me because he's part of the Sonic Boom team. When he hits a forehand, it just sounds different than everyone else. And that first serve has the potential to be an elite top 10, maybe even top 5 serve on tour. And that plus one forehand, again, when he connects with it, put it in the Rublev category, put it in the Sinner category. It is going to overwhelm any opponent. And again, some of these losses in the finals, 3-3 three and three to Zverev on an indoor hardcore, fine. You know, 3 uh, Three and four to Tsitsipas in an indoor hardcourt. Fine. Even two and four to Gael Monfils on an indoor hardcourt. That one hurts a little bit. Four and six to Matteo Berrettini on a grass court in 2019 when he was under the age of 19. You can understand that one, but the last two in particular. To lose that Murray River Open matchup to Dan Evans, two and three. That one hurt. To lose this match to Marin Chilich, 6-3, to get broken, but then break him back for 6-all, and then just play a shoddy tiebreaker, play a passive tiebreaker, there's no doubt it's concerning for Felix Ogier Aliasim. And again, his ability to develop plan B, plan C, and it was funny to see him, funny is the wrong word, it was interesting to see him turn to the backhand slice in particular in this match against Chilich in the second set when he was just trying to change up speeds, change up tactics. But it felt like he had a million opportunities in that first set. It felt like he was putting a ton of returns in play. It felt like he got to 30-all in all six of Chilich's first set service games at a minimum. And yet was only able to uh, convert one of his five break point chances. Now, again, some of that has to do to the credit of the plus one you know, serve forehand combo that Chilich was able to produce on that day. But 
Again, it's this stagnation for FAA that seems so worrying. It does feel like when you know when he gets pushed his back against the wall, he's just going to try and hit his way through. He's going to try and punch his way through the wall. And sometimes these players on tour are too good that that just doesn't work. And again, developing some off-speed stuff, developing that backhand cross, backhand short angle to open up the inside-in forehand down the line or just give himself more court to work with because if you give him space, he'll take it away from you. And again, athletically, he knocks off all the benchmarks you look for in your modern men's player, but there's no denying for Felix, this was a tough loss, particularly, you know, again, it was a really good week for him. Beat Lloyd Harris, beat Ugo Umber, beat Sam Query uh, before getting knocked out by Chilich. Now, by the way, subsequently, he's followed up his win, uh, his final with a win over Hubie Hercots in Halle. Again, that's a really good bounce back victory for him there, and it speaks to the fact that, you know, again, this is why I'm buying the stock, because long term, I have no doubt about Felix Ogier Aliasim. And by the way, for those of you curious for Felix in his career, uh, he's had a ton of success on grass. Now, it's a minimal sample size, but he's 12-4, and 4, 50, uh, 75% win percentage. He's already made a couple of finals on the surface. He made a semifinals at Queens Club as well. Last year, it was a third-round loss, or two years ago, third-round loss to Ugo Umber, who was a fourth-rounder there, obviously, uh, and has subsequently entered the top 35. So that's a loss. I would say that's appreciated in value. His Four clay court events, finals, finals, semifinals, third round Wimbledon. That's pretty damn good. His aggressive game style, his comfort at the net is going to translate at this surf, uh, to this surface. And I actually would not be surprised if Felix Ogier Aliasim's first fourth round, first quarter final of a Grand Slam actually comes at this year's Wimbledon because he'll have been playing on it for three weeks in the build up to the event. He'll be comfortable on the surface. And again, that plus one gear, that plan A for Felix, still looks as good as always, but just wasn't quite dynamic enough with plan B, plan C, plan D, and ultimately gets knocked off by Chilich in the final. Now, I mentioned it earlier, some of the other notable results. You talk about ELO rating superstars on grass court. Sam Query's third, and of course, part of that has to be due to the fact that he made a semifinal of Wimbledon uh, not too many years ago, but you know, follows it up with a quarterfinal, uh, excuse me, semifinal result here in uh, in Stuttgart, and you look for him, who he was able to beat in this tournament for Sam Query, who's hanging on to that top 100 spot for Dear Life's top 75, number 63 right now, you know, takes advantage of the draw. Chelik Bellick, Duckworth, and then talented young Dom Stricker, who I promise you we're going to talk about more on the podcast with David tomorrow, because if I start talking about the lefty, the gumption he plays with, this will be an hour-long podcast when I'm trying to preview and, again, get through this one on the quicker side. Um, Yeah, Query beat Stricker in three sets. It felt like Stricker was going to win that match, and he got the mini break early in that tiebreaker to go up 4-2 in that second set, and then I think Query took five straight points and closed out that second set, gets the break in the third for 6-3. I mean, again, you know Sam's game, the serve, the forehand, translates well to this surface. Um, He was the other semifinalist then for Chilich. In his semifinal, he knocked off Sebastian, uh, or he knocked off Yuri Rodionov, who we did a Next Gen 2.0 podcast on, a few months ago if you want to go here. David Gertler and I, uh, you can find that on our website. I mean, I mentioned the draw for him already. Shapovalov, Basilashvili, Mulliker, Rodionov, who had to retire but has that tricky, aggressive game style on the grass. It was a good week for both of these players. Again, and this Stuttgart was clearly a 250, uh, but the two best players emerged in the final and ultimately Chilich just little too much plus one power for Felix Ogier-Aliassime. Now, the good news, if you're a Felix fan, by the way, uh, he's got Roger Federer tomorrow. 
in Hala. I think that's a match all of us will be excited about, but nevertheless, that is your first ATP grass court result of this 2021 grass court season. With that in mind, let's move on now to the women's side of events. Speaking of tennis abstract, ELO rating, uh, uh, I should say, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for here? Leave this all in. Uh, love, no, 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 lovebirds? Uh, ELO reading superstars? I mean, superstars is just too bland of a word. But anyways, Joe Conta who ranks 8th overall in grass court ELO rating via Tennis Abstract's grass court specific ELO. And by the way, you look for uh, Joe Conta in her career. She's won 60% of her matches on the WTA Tour level, 61% on hard court, 52% on clay, 64% on grass. Now, of course, it's not going to surprise anyone to learn her service numbers improve on the surface. Her return numbers only minimally affected. And of course, you look for Joe Conta. She was a quarterfinal finalist the last time we played a Wimbledon. She's also, you know, made a final of Nottingham 2018, and uh, she's also made semifinals of Wimbledon 2017, finals of Nottingham 2017 as well. Grass courts are where she's had a ton of success throughout her career. Well, finally, she earns her first title on the surface as she knocks off uh, Kirkov, Kozlova, Van Utvenik, Stojanovic, and Shui Zhang uh, to earn the title in Nottingham. Now, you look for Joe Conta, this is a much needed win. I mean, she's 13 and 12 in her last 52. You want to narrow that to 2021 specifically. She's 8 and 7, wasn't, you know, able to play. Uh, really hasn't played that many events week in, week out this season. Again, her she's only earned, uh, you know, a couple. Uh, without the Nottingham, she was well, well under 500, three and seven, right, coming into the event. And you know, for her, it was first round loss in Roland Garros to Kirstea, first round loss in Rome to Ostapenko, second round loss in Madrid to Sevastova, second round loss in Miami to Kvitova, first round loss in Adelaide to Shelby Rogers. Those are all tough matches. Like, there's no denying that, but. For Joe Concha to come out and be able to dictate as confidently as she did and to be able to save, you know, you look for her over the course of the tournament. Uh, she faces, let's see, 10 plus 10 is 20, 21 break points over the course of uh, the tournament, 21 minus, let's see, 2, 3, 5, 9. Uh, so she saves 12 of the 21 break points she faced and obviously converted many more than that and only faced one break point in that final, was able to save it, won 80% of her first serve points over three times, uh, won over 80% of her third uh, first serve points three times in this tournament, just played the sort of confident, decisive tennis that... We were used to seeing Joe Conta play when she reached as high as number four in the world in 2017 and just... Again, she does such a good job moving the ball around the court, and of course, movement put at such a premium on these grass courts. She was clearly the most proficient player on the surface and was just comfortable uh, throughout the course of the event. She earns the title over Shui Zhang. Again, beat Nina Stojanovic in the final. I think Stojanovic has been sneaky good. She's someone 45 and 18 in 2019. Now she's 15 and 18 uh, in her last 52 weeks, but 14 and 13 here in 2021. And you look for Stojanovic over. Over these past few weeks, qualified in Miami, you know, made third round before having to withdraw against Osaka. You look for her, obviously, here in Nottingham, she gets the semifinal results. You look for her in Madrid, came through qualifying there as well. Yara Vatter, you know, was someone who was able to play a couple events in Australia and just. I just think she's coming, folks. Like, I just think that she's another 96er who does a lot of things really, really well. And she's not going to overwhelm you with any one quality of hers. But, you know, into the top 100, she's solidified a spot there. Been there now for over a year. 
you know, currently at number 85, which is four off of her career high of 81. I'm not saying she's going to be a top 20, top 30 sort of player, but I'm very intrigued by Stojanovic. I just think she's got a lot of skills on the court and is a really good competitor as well. But again, too much Joe Conta here over the course of the week, and she just she really was dominant in Nottingham. She was the player who looked comfortable on the surface compared to everyone else. She may, uh, wins the title. Of course, Shui Zhang makes the final there. And you look for Shui Zhang now, who, of course, at 32 turns, uh, excuse me, yeah, 32 years old, currently at number 36 in the rankings. And I feel like that's a pretty good spot for her. 12 and 16 in her last 52. This was a much needed final. If you look for Shui Zhang now, of course, how many times has she made the finals in her WTA career? This was only her fourth final. Three of them on gra- uh, hard courts, one of them now on grass. Not going to surprise anyone if you've seen Zhang play that the fast surface is always going to be good for her. And you look now for Shui Zhang in terms of what she's got, you know, just opening up for herself, I suppose. In terms of uh, the players she was able to beat, Rodionov, uh, Rodionov, Rodionova, there we go, Zarina Diaz, Kiki Mladenovic, 7-6 in the third in the quarters. That was a particularly fun match in this year. Then overwhelm Lauren Davis, 4-3 and three in the semifinals. Davis just didn't have a big enough weapon to hurt Zhang with. She played some really good tennis and is absolutely dangerous entering uh, this grass court uh, stretch of the season. You look for Shui Zhang, by the way, and again, it's very biased because there hasn't been a big sample size. She's a top 20 player, number 20 exactly, but a top 20 player right now in tennis abstracts, uh, ELO, uh, grass court specific ELO ratings. Really good week for her to advance to the finals. Again, you look at some of the other notable players. Mladenovic, quicker surface, always going to be good for her. She was a quarter finalist before getting knocked out 7-6 in the third by Zhang. Katie McNally, good run for her. She beat Reyna. She beat Habino before losing in three to Mladenovic. Katie Bolter, good week for her, knocking off uh, Maria Camilla Osorio-Sorana and Marie Buskova and Heather Watson to reach the quarterfinals before getting knocked out by Laura Davis. And so, again, lots of fun results early here in the grass court season. Of course, that was your only WTA grass court event of the week. There was another hard court event worth noting uh, in Bull Croatia, Jasmine Paulini earns the title as she knocks off, you look on the week, Kuzmova, Govartsova, Kutsova, Blinkova, and then Aranksa Rus, 7-2-7-6 in the final to earn the title. And again, that's another 25-year-old clearly just starting to hit her stride on the WTA Tour. And you look for Paulini, 20-22 and 22 in her last 52, but 16-12 and 12 here in the 2021 season. Made the final at the beginning of May in St. Mao before she lost to Golubic in that final. But that's, again, another clay court final for her here in this 2021 season. And you look for her now, how many you know WTA Tour-level finals has she made in her career? Uh, she's obviously... Uh, and I, I mean, again, it's, it's tough to say, is this an 100K? Is this 125K or 125K, a WTA-level event, whatever? But she's made the two, and they've both come in the past month. Obviously, clay court's always going to be good for her. She's got a little bit more time to use those big backswings, hit through the ball. But, I mean, she was really, really freaking good here in this season. You look for her and what she was able to, uh, uh, in this season, excuse me, in this event. You look at the fact that she only dropped one set. It was two Govertsova in that second round. She was just, 
you know, high efficiency tennis. Made uh, 67% of her first serves for the tournament. Won about 72% of her first serve points. About 53% of her second serve points. Again, did a really good job saving break points, particularly in that round of 16. Face uh, saved 13 of the 16 she faced against Govertsova. Six of eight on break points saved against Blinkova, the number one seed. She knocked off the one and two seeds, by the way, in the semifinals and the finals. It was just a really good event for Jasmine Paulini to end up in the winner's circle. Now, certainly a good one for Blinkova as well. Aronxa Roos, like that win over Sviantec at the beginning of last year's clay court season was not a fluke. Roos really is that good on these clay courts. You look at this portion of the year, which she was able to accomplish this season Pretty solid. Again, you, you bank it if you're Ronx Roos. Did you bank enough points to stay in the top 100? Currently number 83, 26 and 22 in her last 52. This clay court season, she made second round Bogota, second round St. Mao. Uh, semifinals of a 60K, quarterfinals Strasbourg, lost first round of Boosner Rescue, but obviously Boosner Rescue ended up taking Serena 3. Good decision from her to bounce back, play another event, and obviously to have that success, make the finals in both speaks to the level she is playing right now. Aronxa Roos into the final, and again, she beat uh, Irina Barra in the semifinals. Another big winner from this event in both certainly is Claire Liu, who's back near her career high now. The young American, former junior French Open champion, uh, has reasserted herself in the discussion with the McNallys, with the, maybe not the Kennans of the world or the Anisimovas, but with the, you know, again, the McNallys, the Osigways, the uh, Haley Baptiste, uh, the young Americans who are trying to work their way into the top 100, the 21-year-old Lou now up to a new career high of number 119 in the live rankings again. I think that's only her second career WTA-level quarterfinal coming this past week in Croatia. Good decision for her to take advantage of a softer draw. You know, gets wins over Gorgadze first round, beats Sarah Arani three sets in that round of 16 before, again, losing to Roos in a tough three-set match. Won the first set 6-1 in that match as well. Just kind of ran out of steam, but it's a really, really good tournament for the young American. And again, I'm keeping my eye on you, Claire Lou. Don't worry. I see the Claire Lou push coming. I never gave up faith. Hopefully, none of you did either. That was your big other results. Again, your WTA results last week in Nottingham, Joe Conta, in Bowl. It's Jasmine Paulini. And that sets up this week of play. And finally, Clay Court in the rearview mirror. And now we get to focus on the fantastic action happening on the WTA and ATP tours on the grass courts. Let's start again. Quick preview here. I want to do a more in-depth preview later on in the week, but just to run you guys through what to expect over the next few days. We'll start with the action in Berlin. Number one seed, Arena Sabalenka, who, in theory... Grass court should be very, very good for her. You look right now, obviously she doesn't have that big of a grass court sample size, and as such, Sabalenka currently outside the top 30 of the WTA grass court's ELO ratings, but, you know, she has a first-round match. Uh, she got a bye first-round match against Madison Keys. That is electric. That is really, really fun, and that's upset alert, by the way, because the power tennis of Keys and she's got a match under her belt that's a really fun one. We already saw Von Drusova knocked off by qualifier Samsonova. We saw Erlina Mukova, your eight seed, knocked off by Veronica Kudermatova. That's not an upset, though. That's just, as expected, a really fun three-set match. 
Pliskova, Pagula, I think part five this season happening in uh, Berlin tomorrow as well. You've got Kerber as Arenka already. Muguruza looked healthy in her win over Kristea, but now she's got a locked-in and firepowering Elena Rabakina who beats Shelby Rogers in three sets. Those are two people I want no part of heading into this grass court season. You saw Alize Cornet knock off Anissa Mova. She's got Bianca Andreescu, who, of course, we're all curious to see what she looks like on the clay. You've got a Ben versus Martich matchup. Two players who have struggled quite a bit of late. Alexandrova versus Fidelina. That's a really fun one. And again, just listen to those names. Sabalenka, Keys, Kudermatova, Pliskova, Pagula, Azarenka, Muguruza, Rabakina, Andrescu, Bencic, Alexandrova, Svitolina. Those are all top 20 players, top 30 players even at this point at a minimum. And they're all in this draw at this WTA 500 in Berlin Again, it's really early in the grass court season to kind of flush out who are the favorites, what should we be looking for tactically, but from a talent standpoint, Berlin's got all of it. You look at Birmingham this week, it is not far off on the women's side as well. You look at the players in the draw there. Again, tough to pick favorites at this point because it's just so early in the grass court season, but we already had Tom Janovich knock off the number one seed, Elisa Merton, seven six six seven seven six. She's now got Coco Vandeway. You look up and down the draw again, I'm just reading you the matchups we've got left. Garcia versus Buzkova. I'm in on that. Kasatkina Kostyuk. Hello. Martin Sova versus Ostapenko. You know Yelena Ostapenko sneaky high on the grass court ELO rating power ranking. She's currently number six. And I suppose she does have the sort of power, the sort of FU attitude to play decisively on grass. So that's certainly interesting. Uh, again, Kasatkina Kostyuk, fascinating. Zhang, uh, Shui Zhang coming from last week. Uh, taking on Heather Watson, Georgie, taking on Donna Vekic, who looks more and more comfortable with each passing week, finally healthy, finally getting her game back to where it wants to be. Potapova's got so much firepower, and she plays the winner of Ledenovich Farrow in the second round. That promises to be fun. And then we get an own Jabour Leila Fernandez matchup. Like, sign me up. Are you kidding me? That's just ridiculous tennis, as always, on the WTA Tour this week. And again, I'm hoping to be on press row for both of those events. So be on the lookout for some from the pressers on our cracked interview segments. But what else do we have going for you? Let's switch gears now. ATP side of the action. In Hala, we've got... Roger Federer uh, playing a grass court event. That's always a good feeling. And now he's got an opened up section and his number one seed, Daniil Medvedev, has been knocked out in straight sets by Jan Leonard Struff. Struff dogs in one of those zones right now. Again, the moment you think he's going to lose, he wins. The moment you think he's going to win, he loses. But he gets the victory 6-3. and three over Medvedev, and now he's got a very much informed Marcos Giron. Let's just be clear, Marcos Giron is in the prime of his career right now, the former UCLA NCAA champion who had double hip replacement surgery, I believe. If not hip replacement, he's just had really f***ed up hips over the year. There, You know, he's the anti-Shakira. His hips have lied because he has always been a supreme athlete. It's just been a matter of him getting healthy. He finally is, and he's solidified his spot in the top 100. He's going to earn that ATP pension if he's not careful. Six and six victory for him over Pospisil. You've got the battle of the same birthdays. Felix Ogier Al-Yassim taking on Roger Federer. You've also got Zverev Umber. That's 
delightful um, Bear 467676 uh, win over uh, Query 0F3 set win over Kopfer. You've got Nishikori taking on Seb Korda. Seb Korda looked Burdich-esque in his upset victory over Bautista Agut in the first round. You've got Mute, who got a withdrawal after David Goffin slipped and suffered an injury, uh, taking on Phil Kohlschreiber. Jordan Thompson, always tough on these grass courts, taking on Andre Rublev, who beat Hatchinov, by the way, in the first round. You've also got Hanifman taking on Basilashvili. Yannick Hanifman is another... Him and Marco Skirone put him in the same category. Again, this is why I was so attracted to college tennis when I was younger, because the quality was ridiculous, and we see these players now manifesting uh, that ridiculousness on tour. You've got Harris versus Lacko. There's no reason Lloyd Harris can't be really, really good on grass courts. Uh... That's your action in Hala. Again, Federer there, Zverev, both top half. FAA taking on Federer round two. Nishikori Korda is honestly super fun as well. Lots of fun matches taking place on the ATP side in Germany. And then, of course, the action in London continues as well. The return of my man, Andy Murray, who again, deserves a full podcast conversation just on him. He got a victory today over Benoit Pair. He now faces Matteo Berrettini. You've also got Adrian Manorino taking on Dan Evans. Demonauer versus Milman. Chilich versus Fonini. Karatsev versus Nori. Uh, Bublik versus wildcard and young British talent Jack Draper, who knocked off Yannick Sinner in the early uh, in the first round. You've also got Troisky versus Tiafo. Tiafo following up his challenger victory with another victory here today. And then Shapovalov taking on Feliciano Lopez. I'm just looking first round in case I missed any of the exciting results. I mentioned that Sinner over Draper. Uh, let's see. Am I missing any other good ones? No, I think that's all of them. Again, really, really fun week of action set. We've got Berlin, Birmingham, Hollow. London. Now, the conversation, do people actually enjoy watching grass court tennis, especially the contrast? You go from the long physical grinding points of clay to like the five-shot rallies of grass. It's a stark contrast. There's no denying that, but I'm going to save my hot takes about grass for a different day. It's not that I dislike watching grass tennis. It's just that I don't like it as much as I like watching the others. But again, those are takes for another time. More than anything, I'm just excited to have a full complement of events once again, to have tennis from dawn to dusk, to have a ton of uh, content to discuss and to provide to all of you listeners moving forward. And I listed it all at the top. But again, podcast galore going to be the theme of this week. Be on the lookout. That GSP feed is going to be rocking and rolling. We've already had two coming out uh, in one of our deciding points and the episode with Jakob and Damien. We've also got David and myself, Chris, Matt, and myself talking college tennis, challenger tennis this week. Everything on that Great Shot podcast feed, so be on the lookout for it. Of course, day in, day out, we'll be recapping all the action here on the mini break. We'll be interviewing people on the Cracked Interviews podcast, so of course, like, rate, subscribe, review to all of our podcasts. Share them with your friends. You need the more immediate updates. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I'm at Great Shot Pod. A shout out, as always, to our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, for the f*** of an editing job they do day in, day out. A shout out, as well, to our friends at Tennis Point. Remember, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. But with that in mind, for my wonderful producers, Fligner and Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point, and all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break. And we'll see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.